Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome, friends. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Virginia and I are so excited about this week because as this airs, we are at Children's Pastors Conference in Orlando, Florida, and we are just so excited about it. We are looking forward to seeing friends. We're looking forward to leading some conferences. We're just very, very excited about what the week will bring. Yeah, amen. So if you happen to be at CPC, um, make sure and say hello. We would love to see you. We'd love to meet you. Um, But yeah, we are super excited about CPC. Yeah, yeah. You know, we love conferences. And so we're just really excited about what the week is going to bring. We are always glad to be talking with you and spending time with you. And we are also really excited about our topic for today because we love learning styles. You know, we love learning styles. We've started doing a series where every so often we're going to be doing an episode on a different learning style Mm -hmm. to help you be able to minister to your kids in a more effective way. One of the things that we have learned, and and you can kind of go back and listen to the first one if you haven't heard us talking about learning styles, because at the beginning of that one, I go into a little bit more detail about um, where the learning styles came from and how many there are and and that kind of thing. But the, the basic idea behind them is that we have all been given an innate way that we learn, a way of learning that just comes natural to us. And when we're children, that natural way of learning is just sort of the only thing that we really can relate to and understand and know. As we get older, we begin to learn in different ways. We begin to learn Mm -hmm. how to sit during a lecture and take notes and to learn in different styles. But when we are children, especially preschoolers, Mm -hmm. the way that we have naturally been wired to learn is just the way that we do it. And so it's just so beneficial in a classroom if we can determine a child's learning style and try to help meet them where they are so that they can Mm -hmm. learn more effectively. Mm -hmm. Or even at the start of the year, we may not know our kids well enough, but Mm -hmm. just building in different teaching elements to a variety of learning styles, even before we know our kids well, we're going to be reaching them and hitting them in their preferred learning style and helping them learn better you know, even before we know what their learning style is. Right. And we do know that people can have more than one. You can have more than one way that you enjoy learning, more than one way that you process and understand information. And so that's why it's great to have a variety of options in a classroom, not only because it just makes things more exciting because you're kind of changing things up and doing things a little differently, but also because you do tend to find ways that you can relate to kids a little bit better And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about visual learners. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I think is interesting about visual learners is that so many people, if you just typically ask somebody, how do you think that you learn well? 
a lot of times people will say that they're visual learners, even if they're really not visual learners, because <laughs> it just happens to be one of those sort of learning styles that people automatically assume is sort of mm -hmm. what they do because so much of what we do is very visual. Mm -hmm. um, but there are people who do learn very specifically in a visual way. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's sort of take a look at some of the characteristics of people who are visual learners. Visual learners tend to forget what they hear, but they remember what they see. Mm -hmm. And so it, it takes an element of something being seen to help mm -hmm. them to be able to process and retain information. Mm -hmm. um, I am a visual learner. That's, that's mm -hmm. my primary way that I learn. And it's really funny because very recently, there's been a lot of people talking on social media about this particular kind of phenomena where, for me, I visualize things in my mind mm -hmm. as I'm talking to someone. Mm -hmm. And I just always, my whole life, assumed that everyone did that. Mm -hmm. Like if you say an apple in my mind, immediately I picture an actual apple. Like I will see an actual apple in my mind. There are a lot of people who, when you say the word apple, they don't see anything in their mind. They do not mm -hmm. receive a visual for that at all. And it's very surprising if that is the way that you <laughs> process and you think. But I do often visualize things in my head. It's like I have a little movie playing mm -hmm. in my head pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. If you're explaining something, like if you're telling me about going to the grocery store and buying something, I am literally playing that out as a movie in my head as you're speaking. And not everybody does that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it's like that same way, like some people talk about how they have like an internal monologue. And so they may not see it. They may not have like a visual apple, but they have this constant sort of like, running monologue in their mind of like, oh, yes, apple. I remember the apple that I ate the other day, da, 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 you know? Right. And so it is, it's very interesting how God makes us so differently right. and how unless you, you don't even think about it, just like what you're saying, you don't even think about it unless you know about it or hear about it or hear someone else talking about their experience and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my husband and I have that <clears throat> argument a lot because mm -hmm. what will happen is that he's a logical learner. So logic mm -hmm. is, is how he processes. Mm -hmm. And so if he loses something, like if he loses his keys, mm -hmm. he will, you know, be trying to find them. And my very first question is usually, well, where was the last time you remember having your keys? And he yeah. was like, well, if I knew that, <laughs> then I would know where my keys are. Uh, because in my mind, the way I find yeah. something is that I picture in my mind, when was the yeah. last time I had my keys with me? Like right, I was in the car, right. I got out of the car, I walked in the house, I mm -hmm. set them on the counter. Okay, they're on the kitchen counter. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't process that way. So mm -hmm. for him, when I'm saying, well, where was the last place you remember having them? It frustrates him because he can't <laughs> remember where he had them last. And so it's really interesting how we have to sort of think through the way we process mm -hmm. and, and just to be able to communicate with one another. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and it's funny. I, I don't think 
I'm not visual learning style isn't my primary learning style, but it's definitely like one of my learning styles because talking about like you forget what you hear and remember what you see. Mm -hmm. I remember going through school when it would be time for a test. I would basically just try to like memorize like a picture in my mind of my notes. Mm -hmm. And so I would come to a question on the test and be like, okay, I remember like that was, I had that in my notes on like the top corner of the paper, try to imagine what like the top corner of the paper looked like and what was written there. And so hearing it, it's whatever, it's in one ear out the other, Right. but trying to remember, recall that visual image was what would help me um, whenever I was studying and taking tests and things. Well, and that's what visual learners tend to notice everything around them visually. They love color. Mm -hmm. They see shapes and symbols and signs. And so they they tend to notice those types of things Mm -hmm. when they are looking at their surroundings. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, visual learners tend to take notes and they like diagrams. You know, I think we've talked about this before where both of us are I'm a note taker. It helps mm-hmm. me to be able to remember if I can write it down. Back in the day when I was younger, I could make a list. And as long as I made the list, I didn't need the list mm-hmm. to go with me to the store. I could visualize right. the list in my mind and, and, yeah. and turn it off mentally. As I'm getting older, I'm having a harder <laughs> time doing that. But <laughs> yeah, um, as when I was younger, especially, it was something that, you know, just really would help me as long as I had it written down. Mm-hmm. Then it was sort of already in my mind for me to be able to remember. Visual learners tend to organize their thoughts like maps or like graphics because mm-hmm. like they are very visual. So when we think about a route that we're taking, it's almost like drawing the map out in our mind, seeing the road, knowing which direction to go, um, or being able to see those kind of graphic you know, descriptions of things, just being able to see it drawn out in our mind and see the images, see the shapes, see the colors that mm-hmm. help us to be able to organize things and to remember things very well. I remember the first time I had a mind map sort of introduced to me conceptually in school. I was in high school, you know, and it was actually from our chemistry teacher who, you know, shows like, okay, you put like a primary concept in a bubble in the middle of the paper and you draw these sticks off of it and other ideas and other bubbles around it. And I just, I remember at that time being like, what is this? And so we jokingly started calling it a mind mess instead of a mind map. (laughs) But definitely for a visual learner, that helps them make sense of complex concepts. Yes, it does. Well, and that's just what I've always found. If I can draw something out, if I can lay it out and plan it out, if I can write it and do my arrows and like think, Mm -hmm. okay, step one, this is step two. It helps me to be able to process and to be able to learn it so much better than Mm -hmm. if somebody is just trying to tell me what to do, because I don't retain the words because it's harder Mm -hmm. to visualize words in mm-hmm. a, when somebody is talking, if mm-hmm. I can see it, then it becomes a picture as opposed mm-hmm. to just all of these kind of garbled things in, in mm-hmm. my head. And so, um, and so that's one of the reasons why I like to make lists and I like to plan mm-hmm. because it helps me to be able to see it, to have it laid out, to be able to kind of do the step one, step two, to be able to, to walk through it in that way. Um, and I've already mentioned, I, I have to, to visualize things to be able to remember things. And that helps me mm-hmm. to be able to do that. I think people who are visual learners do have a very vivid imagination because I mm-hmm. think that we are able 
to create these images in our minds. Mm-hmm. And so we're mm-hmm. able to sort of think through, because because even if you, even if I'm reading like a book that's a, a fantasy book where it's describing, you know, a, a sort of a mystical creature or something, even though it's very odd, I can picture it as long as it's described in a very visual way where I can almost mm-hmm. draw out the image in my head to be able to see, you know, who this person is or what this beast might be. Like I can just sort of imagine mm-hmm. those things very easily. So that comes very naturally to me. One of the things that we want to remember in a classroom when we have visual learners and we're working with kids who respond very strongly to things that are visual is that we don't want to talk too much. Mm. Lecture is not going to yeah. be your friend um, with yeah. a visual learner. Um, we want to be sure that we allow plenty of time for them to observe things. We want to make sure that they have that visual input, that they are able to see things, that they're able to look at things, that we don't want to just lecture for too very long. Mm-hmm. No preschooler can handle you lecturing too very long. We've talked about that anyway, right, a million right. times about right. you want to really think about their um, listening ability, just those time spans mm-hmm. that they can handle. And it typically is their age. And so you want to, you know, if they're four mm-hmm. years old, then you want to keep that story to less than four minutes. You know, you mm-hmm. want to, to, to really watch that, the idea of just talking for too long. Mm-hmm. But when you're working with visual learners, even if you're talking about just telling the story the words are not going to stay in their minds and in their memories as well as some sort of visual that's going to go <laughs> along with it. So that's when it's really great to be able to use pictures mm-hmm. to have those biblically accurate illustrations mm-hmm. that we can show to the kids as we're telling the story. If we can show them maps, if we're talking mm-hmm. about Israelites traveling from mm-hmm. Egypt promised land, if we can have those maps available Mm -hmm. so that they can see the route that the Israelites took, that we can show Mm -hmm. them where the countries are located so that they can get an idea of how far they're traveling, of where they're going, Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to, um, you know, to have the models, like that's a a great opportunity for you to build the temple or to Mm -hmm. be use the blocks to build things with so that they can actually see the structures that you're talking about so that they can have those images in their minds as mm-hmm. you tell the story, it's going to help to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's so many neat pictures too of um, just different pieces of archeological evidence that have been unearthed. And so showing them a picture of, okay, this is like a, you know, real object or place from the Bible. And, you know, this is what archeologists have found. And so you know, having those different um, visual teaching elements that you can pull out and use during your lesson are so, so valuable. Because just like you mentioned, attention spans, one minute per year of life, there's no point fighting it. No. <laughs> so, no. so have the, that variety of activities and resources ready. Yeah, it really, really does make a big difference. If you can allow the kids the opportunity to observe God's beauty in nature, that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that they're able to see and make a connection with is going to stimulate that remembering and that understanding in such a different and unique way. And so it's really important that we're able to do that. When you're thinking about activities, there are so many great activities for visual learners. 
so many things that we have the ability to be able to use to help sort of stimulate the visual along with the concept that we're wanting to teach. I love using board games in any way that I can. Mm -hmm. um, board games just can be a not only a fun way to review, but it, it just makes the review more active. It gives the kids a lot of manipulatives to use because you're having them spin a spinner and move a game piece. They're seeing the colors on a game board or they're, you know, able to move their pieces as you're going through the review. And so anytime we can do any sort of board game activity, whether or not it's something that you've built or something that you're using, a game that you've purchased that you have, is going to be huge in being able to help kids to have that visual to go along with what you're talking about. Whiteboard games are really fun to be able to do as well. Again, you're going to have more of a visual if you're drawing something out on a whiteboard, if you're writing mm -hmm. things out on a whiteboard. So mm -hmm. any way that you can give a visual to what the story is talking to you about, whether or not you're writing the words on the board or whether you're drawing images or you're playing a game like Pictionary or something like that mm -hmm. to help kids to be able to have those visuals to go along. Um, word puzzles are also really great for visual learners because, again, it gives them the opportunity to work with the letters and with the words. And so mm -hmm. being able to do like a life-sized crossword puzzle or to be able to play Wheel of Fortune or, you know, something like that, <laughs> where, where they're getting a chance to try to guess the letters to be able to figure out the verse or to do is always, you know, just a really helpful thing. Um, doing crafts with the kids is always a really great, strong visual activity because you're using color, you're using materials, you're doing different things. You're making a visual of whatever the story might have to do with. Mm -hmm. So it helps the kids to be able to process and to understand better. And so talking about, you know, using um, different colors and things, and we've talked about this in um, our episode about Bible skills games, um, using different colors in your Bible skills games for memorizing different parts of the Bible. Yeah. And so like we talked about this, about, you know, all the blue balls are for the new, new Testament, all the green balls are for the old Testament, or, you know, you've got your different colored popsicle sticks and it's mm -hmm. like, all right, all the orange ones are, you know, the Pentateuch, all the, you know, pink ones are this, the, you know, historical books. And so, you know, there are different ways to use color um, in your activities to help kids um, even remember and memorize scripture, you know, develop those Bible skills. Um, and so that use of color can sort of help kids organize all that in their brains. Yes. Yeah. Well, anything that's going to stimulate in that way is going to be so incredibly helpful. Whenever you can do things like use blocks to build with, we've talked about using blocks before, and there's just so many different ways that if you're going to be talking about Jesus and the disciples fishing, then use the blocks to build a boat, you know, and, and tell the story again, once you've built the boat, Find ways to be able to use sticks and boxes to build forts and to create things. And that's going to, you know, stimulate their imagination, but it's also mm -hmm. going to help them to be able to visualize the story as you go along with it. Um, mm -hmm. Anytime you can, you know, create tents or, you know, mm -hmm. any of those kinds of things with the materials, with boxes, different types of cloth and different kinds of things, that's going to really help. Because activating kids imaginations i mean yes it is especially good for our visual learners who are so imaginative 
but it, it can be good for so many kids, um, even of a variety of, you know, learning styles, just because kids are just naturally very imaginative. And so that's a great way to just reach them where they are developmentally, especially young children, preschoolers, young children, um, just to, to teach them in a way that they naturally operate in. Mm -hmm. Um, so rather than trying to sort of force them into our boxes of expectations of, okay, you will sit still and quiet, you know, at a table, da, da, da. It's like Mm -hmm. meeting them where they are naturally developmentally, um, or sometimes with their learning styles, um, Mm -hmm. of activating their imagination and utilizing that to reinforce our Bible lessons as we teach. Right. And I think that that means that we have to often get out of our comfort zones as a teacher to be Mm -hmm. able to try to help Mm -hmm. them to be able to process more. And I know that that's a really hard thing to do because one, we tend to teach in the way that we learn. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to just gravitate more naturally to what we're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But also some of the things that we can do with kids sometimes can be overwhelming. Like for example, with visual learners, a lot of visual learners are very artistic. So they enjoy drawing and sculpting and painting. And if you don't have that inclination, that can be a very intimidating activity. Mm-hmm. For you to do with You're kids. like, Ooh, I don't want the mess. <laughs> yeah, it can be really messy. And I'm not saying that it's not. Um, doing the sculpting, you know, being able to use clay or being able to Mm -hmm. use the Play-Doh with the kids, Mm -hmm. just having the materials out there and letting them go for it and just Mm -hmm. giving them some basic guidelines of things that they can try to do, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to take off with that and and be able to do that. And and there's a way that you can do it so that you can keep it as neat and as clean as Mm -hmm. possible. You want to cover those tables. You want to, you know, give them all the supplies that they need. You want to make sure you have enough Mm -hmm. helpers to be Mm -hmm. able to to help the kids to be able to create. But it is the same thing with painting. And I will say that one of the things that I love to do, especially with preschoolers, is to paint, is because they don't get the opportunity to do that very often. Yes, yes. And so it does take some planning because you can't paint with a group of 15 Mm four-year-olds all at one time. Unless you have 15 adults. So you really do have to do some planning to be Mm -hmm. able to do it. And that's where I really utilize the centers Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. but where I'm going to set up the table for maybe two preschoolers at a time Mm -hmm. with a teacher that's just there helping them paint. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to make sure you have all the materials that you need. You want to make sure you're using a water-based paint that will come out very easily if they do get it on their clothes you yeah. want to make sure you have aprons or large t-shirts or something that you can mm-hmm. put on the kids so that you are protecting their clothes. They're going to paint. Um, and again, like I said, you only want to bring over a couple of kids at a time to do the activity mm-hmm. so that you do have the ability to help them and to watch mm-hmm. what they're doing and to try to keep the mess to a minimum. One of the things that I always like to do too is I like to make the paint as easy as possible. So I'm only going to pick a couple of colors mm-hmm. for a particular activity. I am going to use um, paper plates. Mm-hmm. I love to paint the paint onto the paper plates mm-hmm. and then help the kids use that to be able to paint with. So that way they don't mm-hmm. have a bowl or a cup of paint that mm-hmm. can get tipped over. Spill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there on that flat. Plus it's something very easy for me to throw away once I'm done. Mm-hmm. Because 
that's mm-hmm. on a paper plate and it's something that I can just toss really easy. Um, and I'm going to really give them just this very specific, you know, just, we're just going to do one small item right. at a time. Like if we're, mm-hmm. if we're doing flowers, then we're going to maybe try to use the paint and, and just make a couple of flowers. We're going to make it super simple, letting them be creative and letting them do their thing, but mm-hmm. also trying to keep it as controlled as possible mm-hmm. so that you have the ability to be able to clean up very easily, but also so the kids can experience it, but then they can move on to the next thing. It's not something that's going to take up your whole right. entire class time because you do want the paint to be as thin as it possibly can be so it can dry as quickly as it mm-hmm. can. So you do want to kind of take those steps to be able to prepare. But when we can do those opportunities for kids, they love it because they so rarely get a chance to do it. And so finding those unique and creative ways that we can give them the ability to paint. I get very excited about it. I I have a lot of fun doing it. It's not something that I'm going to do every Sunday. Mm -hmm. That's something that I'm just going to do maybe once a quarter. But it is something that I want to be able to try to do with my visual kids because they do enjoy it so very much. And it's funny because my preschool age daughter asked me last night, right before bedtime, right before we're about to get ready for bed, she was like, I want to paint. <laughs> and I was like, no, not right now. Painting's an outside <laughs> thing. We take it outside if we're going to do it at home. Um, yeah. And so it's funny that you mentioned, you know, that preschoolers rarely get to paint because yeah. it's true. It's so true. <laughs> it is something that they do very often, but it is something that, like I said, if we have it planned and in a very controlled setting, mm-hmm. it's something mm-hmm. that they can do and have a lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just makes class time so much fun. And you have to keep in mind too, again, the attention spans that, you know, if you're doing this with three-year-olds, they're not going to want to paint longer than three minutes at most. Right. Right. So even if you're only doing two or three kids at a time, like you can kind of, you can cycle through them pretty quick because right. they're not going to be sitting there the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. painting a, you know, Renaissance painting um, right. <laughs> that they, they will do their thing and be ready to move on to the next thing pretty quickly. Right. So. Well, and that's one of those situations too, where I make sure that I have the table covered with, you know, tablecloths mm-hmm. that I make sure that I have baby wipes ready mm-hmm. to wipe mm-hmm. off hands. Yeah. And to clean up any messes, I have the paper towels sitting there in the water. You know, I've got everything right there ready ready to go. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make it as easy on you as as it can be. So, yeah. Um, Anytime we can use posters to draw on, you know, any kind of spatial thinking that we can have the kids do where they can draw Mm -hmm. shapes and sizes and and they can color things. Anything like that is going to help any kind of media watching videos. Like if you have the opportunity with your material Mm -hmm. to occasionally show a video, something short, Mm -hmm. but again, that's going to help them to be able to process and to think through things better. Mm -hmm. Um, Visual learners love to watch people. They love to identify people. So having those Mm -hmm. activities like community helpers and and different kinds of Mm -hmm. things that you can do when you're looking at people um, in uh, missionaries and different countries and different things where you can integrate showing images of people doing the activities and things that you're talking about is going to stimulate those kids and help them to understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's interesting talking about, you know, like spatial, different spatial things. And um, I think one of my favorite things to do that is universally loved anytime you teach about David and Goliath and there's some whatever debate about how tall Goliath actually was, but right. you know, however tall you think he was, you know, get you a long sheet of butcher paper you know, and draw out 
a giant mm-hmm. on that butcher paper and, you know, put him up on the wall, put him wherever the kids can see him. Yeah. Cause kids love being able to see that and being able to have that reference mm-hmm. of, okay, this is Goliath. This is how tall he was. Um, you know, I'm going to stand here next to him so you can see how tall he was compared to like an average person. Um, or even if you have, um, like a gym or a fellowship hall or an indoor area where, you know, you can lay down like painter's tape on the floor and be like, okay, like when Jesus went to the temple, like this is how big, like the Holy of Holy was, and this is how big this part was. And so like, this is what this would have been like. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's ways for you to, um, you know, help kids see and visualize and experience some of these things, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to help them remember it better. Mm-hmm. I used to do that occasionally where I would take them to the gym for the Goliath story and mm-hmm. I would put on the wall, like I would put an, like an outline with tape on the wall of how tall Goliath would be mm-hmm. and then give the kids balls and let them, yeah, let them throw the ball mm-hmm. to see if they could hit the very top of Goliath's head. Like just, you mm-hmm. know, so it gave them that idea of the height, you know, mm-hmm. their height compared to. So it's, yeah, it's finding those kind of visual things that you can do to help kids be able to get an idea of how large something is, how big something Mm -hmm. is, something that they can figure out size. It just really helps them Mm -hmm. a whole lot. If you can do the same, like when you're talking about Noah's Ark, if you can pace Mm -hmm. out, go outside and pace out, you know, how far the Ark would be from one (laughs) end to the other, those kinds of things. If you have that ability, it, it just gives a lot of fun things for them to be able to do. So the thing, um, as we are teaching to different learning styles, um, just keeping in mind, as you've already mentioned, Valerie, that we we tend to teach to our preferred learning style. That's sort of naturally how our teaching methods come out is how we enjoy learning. Mm -hmm. Um, We also tend to teach how we were taught. And so that's why you see a lot of very sort of like lecture style Um, teaching being sort of passed down as we see that modeled for us. And then that's in turn what we do. Um, But to be intentional and thoughtful um, as we prepare to teach, coming well-prepared, just like with, you know, doing the painting or doing the Play-Doh or the clay, um, you know, coming early, coming prepared so that those activities do go smoothly. You know, and it's easy to, have a curriculum, look at it, be like, oh my gosh, there's like 10 activities. You know, I can't, um, I can't do all these. And they know you can't do all of them. Oh yeah, no, Um, no, completely. But being intentional to do a variety of different activities as you plan across, you know, your weeks um, or your semester or your year um, to build in that variety um, because there, there's going to be those activities that you naturally gravitate towards. And then there'll be those activities where you're like, Ooh, I don't want to sing. <laughs> That's me. Oh, no. I'm not, I don't want to sing person. No, me either. But there are kids who benefit from that and who need that. And you may think, Ooh, I don't want to paint, but there are kids who are going to learn from that. And that's going to be their favorite thing and something that they remember for the rest of their lives, you know, right. painting in their Sunday school class. And so, so just being aware and intentional in how we plan our time with our kids and how we plan our lessons is so very valuable um, to help us teach kids well. Right. Well, and I think that that's a misunderstanding that a lot of people have, especially if they're not involved in education professionally, is that that they do think that there is a certain way to teach and that you Mm -hmm. have to have control of your classroom and they have to be sitting Mm -hmm. 
and they have mm-hmm. to be listening and you have to be lecturing and that's what mm-hmm. makes a good teacher. And, you know, always there is some point where we are telling a story, where we are mm-hmm. telling mm-hmm. a concept, mm-hmm. where we are mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. but that is not necessarily the only way to learn. And again, it's like what right. you said, because that's the majority of the way that we've learned in our lives, we have assumed mm-hmm. that that's the way that you teach. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're working with preschoolers, but when you're working with children of all different ages, mm-hmm. you know, they have not been in school long enough to learn how to learn that way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They naturally have those tendencies, but in general, you're not going to find mm-hmm. children that are going to learn the most naturally by sitting and just listening and, and understanding mm-hmm. through lecture. And so it is being a little bit more, not just intentional with your activities, but also being creative in the way that you do things so that you're doing things differently each week so that you're not doing the same. And that's why when you do look at curriculum that's been provided for you, you can get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. because the reason why we write so many activities for a specific week it's not so that you can do all of them, but it's so that you can look at your classroom and determine which activities are going to be the most beneficial to help the kids be able to learn the concept that you're teaching for the week. Mm-hmm. And so we never expect you to be able to do everything in one classroom that might be provided for you in the material. But it is also sometimes where you have people that will say, oh, there's just never anything any good in my material to do. Mm-hmm typically because it's those things that are outside of your comfort zone and they're not most enjoyable to you. And so it's really, you know, teaching is, is the responsibility is on the teacher to be able to find ways to communicate the Mm -hmm. material to the student in a way that they are going to most effectively learn. Mm -hmm. And so that is how learning styles can help us when we allow ourselves Mm -hmm. to get out of our comfort zone a little bit and to be able to find the things that we think are going to engage the students. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite sayings is, you know, we don't teach lessons, we teach students. And so, you know, giving a perfect lecture is not the goal making sure students are taking that information in processing it and internalizing it. That's the goal. And so there are lots of different ways that we can accomplish that, you know, well beyond like, you know, delivering a perfect lecture. Um, Because again, we don't teach lessons, we teach students. Right. Right. And they're unique and individual Mm -hmm. and they're going to learn in different ways. And that's the fun of it. That's what makes it exciting, (laughs) Um, but it does also bring some challenges. So yes. Well, we hope that discussing visual learners have helped you to be able to think of maybe some new things that you can do in your classrooms so that you can engage your students in a more effective way. Um, That is really what our heart is with this series of looking at the different learning styles so that you can think about some of the different activities that you can do to teach the material to your kids. As always, we're just so very thankful that you've chosen to spend some time with us this week. We hope that we have been helpful and that we have met you where you are. We would love to hear from you. We would love some suggestions on topics. We would love to know what your concerns are so that we can somehow help encourage you as you work with your families. We um, just thank you again so much for being here, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.